Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, just enjoying conversation with my family. In fact, I do know. I, I just uh, enjoy, as we should, right? Our, our, our church family should be family, should be, we're, we're, we share blood, the blood of Jesus. We, yes, if, if not, let me invite you to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can actually have life. Uh, in fact, at, after service, you feel free to come up and do that. Really, seriously, don't start the new year without knowing Jesus and having the track of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so uh, that's what it's all about. It's what kicking the year, new year is all, all about and getting refocused and getting, getting back into life or finding life. And, and here we are, as what we, in the next couple of weeks, we have what we call next steps. Next Steps is a way for you to find an on-ramp into, uh, into the, the church, into a family. What we do is give an opportunity for you to become part of a community. And you may not know what your next step is, and so we, we help with that. This is called discipleship, by the way. When Jesus called us in, in Matthew 28, he called us to go and make disciples. So we want to help you become, one, get to know Jesus, and then help you along your discipleship track, your discipleship journey. And and so there, we'll teach you about that, we'll talk with you, we'll get to know you and, and get to know, help you to discern your gifts and what God has given you, how he's created you uniquely, and what he's created you for. And so we're here to help you with that, but your, 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 your only role is to take that next step and get plugged in on January 21st. And so let's start off the new year right, and by the way, you can't come to church every Sunday of the year if you're not here this weekend, so good job. You're one of 52. Check. Now you just got to come back next Sunday. Check. All right, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, so we're in a new series. We're kicking off the year right because I figure, you know, people just need to understand. We just all need to understand how we can just get, get our lives back aligned. Just, let's just get, get into alignment with the Lord. And there's no person better to, to study than Joseph the life of Joseph, who's in the Old Testament, and you find him in Genesis. But we're studying his life, and like us, no different, these are patterns that are the same for God's people. God brought him through ten tests for his life. And these are the same ten tests you and I all go through. And unfortunately, it's not just a, okay, you pass the test, you'll never have to take that again. Uh, it is a, okay, you pass the test at this level. Now, as I grow you and develop you and bless you with more, you may have to come back around and take that test at this level, again, at the next level. And so just know that. But what I learned whenever I went through this in 20, 2011, I realized, is, wait a minute, I, I have been in a cycle for a long time. And finally, somebody shared this with me so that I could understand and literally make it a life manual, manuscript, a blueprint to say, okay, this is what's going on in the season of my life. Let me look into this and say, God, what are you doing to draw what out of me so that I can pass one of these 10 tests? You're going to understand that over the next 10 weeks, but you got to be here all 10 weeks or plug in so that you'll know what the 10 tests are. Otherwise, you're going to be in a cycle. I don't know why I keep going around in circles. Well, you missed a weekend. You didn't get number 7 of 52. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. So we're, this weekend, we're going to talk about the pride test. We're just going to hit it right in the mouth going to talk about the pride test. We're going to talk about pride, the, uh, pain to purpose is the, ne the name of the series, actually. Sorry, I, I jumped ahead of you. Let me go backwards. 
the pride test. I'm mean, sorry, the pain, pain to purpose. It feels like, man, God, I know, I know God's got purpose for me. But for some reason, why does life just feel so painful? Like there's so much pain involved, so much stress, so much, so much, ah, it just hurts. Well, it sometimes feels like I'm trying to find my way and I just can't. Well, the good news is, for some reason, somehow, it feels like the further you get the, away from your purpose, it's actually setting you up so that God can get you closer to your purpose. And throughout these 10 tests, you're going to find that out, and uh, we're going to explain that. But today, we're going to deal with pride. Anybody ever dealt with pride? Okay, some of you don't realize you're dealing with pride right now, and some of, and the others are like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I am proud, I am proud. Or, you know, a long time ago I dealt with pride, but I just don't have that anymore. Proud. <laughs> all right, so we all are in some levels, and we're working that out, and, you know, some of us are greater than others, and no elbowing anybody, okay, guys, no elbowing. And throughout this, don't point at anybody, and and keep everybody else out of your mind and just focus, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me, about me in my heart, and what you want to do with me? And it'll be a lot more fun, so that way at lunch you go home or go after this, and you're getting ready to fast, and you're not worked up and angry because you're, you're hungry, or you don't have the dessert that you wanted, or you don't have the caffeine that you wanted, and you want to take your, your frustrations out on somebody else because of their pride, not knowing that it's your pride that God's working on, okay? So just, what is... God's saying to me today. All right. Well, so, but for, so for many of us, Satan authors the pain in our life. He authors the pain. God's not the author of pain. God has purpose. And when God gives us this dream or some kind of insight of, man, I just feel like there's something greater, God is oftentimes drawing us to something greater, a purpose, his design purpose, what he's, what, which is what he created us for. But for some reason, when we start to get a taste of that or an understanding of that, boom, pain is at our door. Like problems, trials, situations, stressors, and all of those are Satan's plot and plan to get us to quit, to give up, to go the other way to where it was just easy, but he, we weren't a problem for him. We were more sedated in life. But when the moment you start to wake up, maybe it's coming to the Lord to know him at first, uh, maybe it's starting to become more obedient, maybe it's seeking him, maybe it's pursuing him, maybe it's whatever it is in the next season, the next step of your spiritual journey, it feels like there's, it, it's protected by adversity. And can I tell you, get this right now, that blessing is always protected by adversity. So when you're facing adversity, good news as we humble up and we allow the Lord to show us in what areas of our lives we need to get out of us so we can get out of our own way, there's a blessing to follow that. God begins to develop us in, in, in how we follow him, and, and he, he's following us with blessings on the other side of adversity because with the blessings, there's always going to be more adversity, and so he has to develop us and be able, being able to trust him with the outcome of the adversity so that in our pride, we quit trying to fight our way through everything, and we realize, wait a minute, it's him doing it. Let me just surrender unto whatever's going on. I know it's a lot, but I'm going to get you through it today. So in Genesis 37, 1 and 11, there's no better person to study than Joseph. He has faced them all. In fact, that's where these 10 come from, these 10 tests come from. In fact, anytime you see the number 10 or rather anything referred to as 10, it's a test. 
This is why the tithe is a 10% because God is testing your heart. Uh, there was 10 tests of Pharaoh whenever Moses was coming and saying, hey, let my people go. Well, there was 10 tests. And so there's always a test whenever, it's, whenever 10 is involved. In this case, Joseph had 10 tests that he had to pass in order to mature spiritually to where God had, had wanted him to go. However, like I said, these cycle. So now Jacob, this was Joseph's father, Jacob. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, and then a family of 12 boys, Joseph being one of those. And so Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. Now, 17 years old is the age of Joseph whenever we're starting this part of the story. Was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. His father's wives and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, now notice, 17-year-old, he's going and tattletelling on his brothers. Can I just tell you right now, when you got 10 older brothers, one, one brother was younger than Joseph... And you're tattletaling on them, it's never going to go well. Like, I don't know if you did you have a little brother or a younger brother, or you were that brother who was tattletaling. You know firsthand, this does not go well. But no, so we're about to see that God gives Joseph a dream, but little did Joseph know that that dream would be packaged in pain. Like, the moment he begins to unveil this dream, immediately pain is involved. And the pain was never there to, to hurt Joseph. The dream was packaged in pain to bring Joseph even closer to his God-given purpose. Well, I just don't like that. <laughs> well, we don't get to choose. <laughs> it would be that jo how Joseph handled this pain would dictate how this purpose would come to fruition. So how we steward the pain that's in our lives with the Lord dictates how we walk in the purpose that God has for us and what his, his ultimate plans are for us. Leah was one of, Leah and, and Rachel and Zilpah and Bilhah were, or the wives of Jacob, Joseph's father. Now, Jacob's father-in-law had manipulated jo uh, Jacob because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, his younger daughter, well, after seven years, he said, work seven years for me and you get to marry my daughter, Rachel. Well, on the wedding night, dad puts Leah, the older daughter, in the wedding gown and says, here, here's, here's the person you're marrying. And after the marriage ceremony, raises up like, whoa, who that is? <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so Jacob goes, hey, what, what happened? I thought I was working for you seven years and you were going to give me Rachel Oh, it's our custom that the older daughter has to go first. But work for me seven more years, and you get to have Rachel. How many want that kind of father-in-law? Well, <laughs> so now later, Leah, Jacob is married to Leah and, and Rachel, and, and Leah has a, a maidservant named Zilpah, and Rachel has a maidservant named Bilhah. And by the way, if you're looking forward to having kids, those two, those are names for women, those names are available. <laughs> I've checked the record on our kids' ministry. There's no Zilpah and there's no Bilhah. So, 
Just pray over it over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting. But obviously Jacob's father-in-law, Jacob was a major manipulator. Uh, he, and, and so to get that out of him, God put him in, under a, a, a father-in-law or under the leadership of Rachel and Leah's father who was an even greater manipulator. And so you need to understand that oftentimes God will put you in an environment that you don't like to get that environment out of you. So think about that as there's a, a boss or an overseer or a leader that's like you have these negative thoughts towards, well, great, God's trying to bless you because those things are inside of you and God is using that individual to get that environment out of you. And if we don't catch this part of the the journey will oftentimes flee the environment and take the environment with us and it manifests in another place, in another place, in another place. And for some reason, you always have bad bosses or bad leadership, but God was actually using them to get this issue, this character trait out of you. This is why we see, in, in fact, every 16 to 18 months, whenever you move to a new place, you'll realize or a new environment, eventually you will start to bleed out. You can fake it for about 16 to 18 months, but after about that long, you start to bleed out into the environment, and all of a sudden, in your mind, you think, well, this environment's the same as that environment. No, you are the same, and you are too proud to see it. You're welcome. Hey. Now, Israel loved Joseph, verse 3, more than all his children because he was the son, he was the son of his old age. Joseph was the second to last child. He was a child of Rachel. Rachel had two children with Joseph, I mean Jacob. Jacob was the one who Rachel loved the most, and those two children were Joseph and Benjamin. And so he was, Joseph was obviously a child of Rachel and, jo and Jacob's old age. And he made him, Jacob made Joseph, a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably about him. So he said to them, oh, sorry, now Joseph had a dream, and he told to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Like, they can't even speak peaceably. They already hate him. And as soon as he starts to tell them about a dream, they hate him even more. Like, they can't even t stand the words that come out of his mouth. They hate him. So he said to them, please hear me, hear this dream which I have dreamed. Now, Joseph's brilliant. Watch this. And when you're 17, you just have all the best ideas. Like, you, you are the most intelligent person in the room. You got it figured out. And finally, puberty has given you wisdom beyond those around you. There we were, binding sheaves, Joseph is saying. And he's reciting this dream in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves all stood around and bowed down to my sheaf. Boy, that sounds good, right? You're like... You already know where this is going. He's, he's talking to older, bigger, stronger brothers who already hate him. And I'm sure they already beat him up a, a four or five times. And now here he is. Oh, really? Verse 8. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. Like there must be a deep level of hate in these brothers' hearts towards Joseph. They hated him for his dream and for all of his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brother. He's just like, some stuff just doesn't make sense to people. Like, you can tell them, and you can tell them, and you can tell them. Like, bro, you got to stop this. This is getting in the way. This is not going to work. 
but yet it just like goes right over their head and they don't hear a thing that you said. Anybody know anybody like that? Are you like that? Okay. I <laughs> told him another dream. I said, hey, look, I have, I've dreamed another dream. I'm the greatest thing on earth. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me, sun and moon with mother and father. And so he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Like, Jacob got it. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this in mind. You remember when the Holy Spirit or the angel of the Lord came and said to Mary, hey, you will conceive a child. His name will be Emmanuel. She, she kept those things and pondered them in her heart. I, and I, can I just say there's probably some things during this 21 days of prayer that God is going to speak to you if you'll pursue him and give him space and truly go after it, that you can ponder in your heart and it will help to shift how you make decisions, why you make decisions, and when you make decisions so that he can shape your character, so that he can bring you towards the purpose he has for you. Can I just put that in there for you? So Joseph was 17 when this took place. And Genesis said in verse 41, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So in 13 years, many of these, not all of these tests, many of these tests transpired from 17 to 30. And much pain was involved in each one of these tests. Now, these tests, scripture show us that they continued into around 45 years old. But that was just on ten, test number 10. They cycle back around the more that we grow. And this is the same case for you and I. And the reason we take these tests is because our character is the foundation of our destiny. Let me say this again. The reason we take these tests is because God has a destiny, a purpose for us, a plan for us, which is a great purpose for us. And we have to take these tests to get our character, get ourselves out of our way so he can shape our character to look like him, but also to be able to sustain the things that he ultimately has for us. And that's really good news. And for most of us, our character is our identity, and God is trying to change that. So we struggle with these tests because we're so in love with our character, with our behaviors, with our attitudes, with our ways of doing things, we're more in love with that than we are with conforming to who Christ says that we are. And it leads us in this pride space. So number one, well, one thing you need to know, you will never have a larger destiny than your character. So if you're in a place and you feel plateaued, if you're in a place where you feel like nothing, you know, traction, if you're in a place where it feels like, I know I, my life is greater than this, it may be that God is trying to give you that I know so that you will realize, wait a minute, God must be wanting to work on my character so that I can get to the place that ultimately he has for me, which is greater than this. God will use a desire, a desire an urge, an, an intuition, a, a, an inner knowing to grab your attention. But you have to understand discipline and spiritual, uh, spiritually that God is off, must be working on my character because I'm not there. So number one, God has a dream for you. Even in your deepest pain, God has a dream for you. Scripture tells us this. In, Joshua, in, in, uh, in Jeremiah 29, he says, says, I know my plans for you. My plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. 
He's got plans for you. And they look like prospering, blessing, growing, benefiting. And Scripture would, call, would, would tell us in the New Testament about Abraham that Christ went to the cross so we may be blessed in all things. Not some things. Numbers 12, 6, 6 and 8 says this. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. Listen, if you're willing to just listen to the Lord, because in the New Testament, Scripture says we all have the ability to prophesy. We all have the ability to hear God. We all have the ability to, to speak the heart of God. And if there be any of you that are willing to do this 21 days of fasting and prayer to seek the Lord, he'll give you a vision. He'll, give you, he'll speak to you. I speak to him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. There's another key to this, getting to know and hearing the Lord is being faithful in his house, being faithful with what he's given you right now. Because if you're not faithful in little things, you aren't ready to have the bigger things. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he, say, and he sees the form of the Lord. And I want you to know, if you want to get to know what the dream that God has for you is, then you need to get to know the God of the dream. It's time spent with him and getting to know him and hearing his voice and, and, and listening more than you're praying. Get to know the God who can reveal it and fulfill it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 tells us, tells us this, he who calls you is faithful, he also will do it. He calls you. He's faithful. He'll do it. Just get you out of your way. That's our only problem. I just need to get me out of my way. And when I accept that, I accept the God, that God is pruning, he is shaping, he is molding, he is preparing, he is equipping, he is developing. The children of Israel knew God's acts. Mo Mo uh, Moses knew him. The children of Israel got to see what he did. God, uh, God told Moses why he did what he did. God, get to know God and he will begin to speak to you plainly face-to-face. -face. That still, small voice will start to be made known and be very clear. You'll start to tune in and hear and understand. And when, you, when he cultivates an obedient heart because it's humble, then you'll start to be willing to follow that still, small voice. And because of that obedience and humility, he'll begin to cause things to come to fruition on your benefit because he knows if you're going to listen to him, he can bless you because you're going to bless others. Good word, Pastor Nathan. That was really good. That was really good. I was trying to buy time to wipe my little nose. All right. See, when I need to do that, I just buy, I'd say something great and, and just walk away. And you're supposed to clap and give me time. So just clap when I walk away. It makes me feel better. It makes my, help my pride. I would say God has a plan for every person here, though. He truly does. But we also have dreams of our own. And so some of us, we just need to let go of our own dreams so that we can embrace God's dreams. Because I can tell you that his dreams are for us are even greater than our own dreams. And what we end up doing is settling for a counterfeit version, a smaller version, thinking that this is a great thing. But because of our small-mindedness and our pride, we have a ceiling over our ability to see great things. And God's saying, if you'll let go of that, I've got something even greater. So let me just say that God's dream for you is bigger because he is bigger. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're higher. So number two, don't brag about the dream. Don't brag about the dream. Because if you brag about the dream, it's likely you'll never see the dream because you're so focused on the dream rather than the one who's bringing out the dream, bringing about the dream. 
this dream, this idea of the dream that you're telling everybody becomes your identity, and now you're, you're so in love with what people say about this grandeur dream that you, you, know, you miss what God is trying to take you through and prepare you for, and you ultimately miss the dream. The dream becomes the identity rather than Christ. Scripture says Joseph's brothers hated him even more for his dreams and his word. This is the first test. This is the pride test. And this, uh, Joseph immediately muffed the pride test. But the beauty about God and walking with God is he will give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance and test after test after test. He's not going to say, oh, well, they'll just never get that one. Let's just move on to the next one. Nope. You got to get it. Where you're at, you've got to get it. And when you muff it, don't listen to the enemy. Don't, don't listen to shame and guilt and condemnation. Don't listen to that stuff. Okay, Lord, it should humble you even more, which is part of the test. Humble you even more, Lord, give me another chance, please. I know I did. I shouldn't have done this. This wasn't, this wasn't right. Could have handled this differently. Great. No problem. Here's another test. But some of us keep wondering, why are we dealing with so much pride? The good news is, the reason you're even thinking about that is because God's bringing it to the surface so he can begin to work on it. The good news for those who think they missed their opportunity with God is you haven't. He's never finished with his kids. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. You are not done, and his destiny is still the same. You know how I know that? Because he knew you from before you were born, and he also knew you were going to make some mistakes. And it may just be that those, the shaping from those mistakes are what are, he's using to prepare you. Even though it wasn't his perfect will, he's okay to shape you through those things too. But at some point, we've got to lower, lower our will and, and surrender our will and our pride so that he can actually bring us into that purpose. Okay? Now, I understand some people talk and then they think. Anybody kind of talk and then you think? I'm kind of a, I think out loud. Like I talk out loud when I'm thinking and I'm pondering things and I'm seeing it. And, and then some people, you know, they just talk. I process them. They just talk without thinking. Like there's some people that never think about anything that they say. They just talk. Just constantly. Anybody know those people? Uh, anybody elbows going right now? They just talk and talk. And like have you even thought about the words that are coming out of your mouth? And, and oftentimes those people are bragging. Uh, oftentimes those people are just trying to fill air. Uh, oftentimes those people are just showing, unknowingly showing their pride that they have to be heard. And have you ever tried to teach someone something only to continually have them speak over you or tell you how to do it or they know how to do it already? And then you give them an opportunity and they can't do it. You know, anybody, like, that's the most frustrating thing for me. Like, I'm just trying to show you how to do something the right way. When somebody's trying to show me how to do something, I, there's, there's a few reasons why I want to listen to it. Even when I, I think I know how to do it, and I've done it a thousand times, there might be one little thing that's going to cause me to do it better, more efficient, or there's one little detail that I missed altogether. It's worth listening to other people and listening to whenever somebody's giving it time and effort. It's called humility. Pride won't let you. It always wants to speak over. It always wants to dominate. It always, always wants to mask what's really going on underneath. And this is the pride test. And for some to pass this pride test, you'll have to stop talking. Like it's okay to not say anything in a conversation. 
to pass this try test, some of you have to be able to, like, you know something, and sometimes it's just okay that you don't even say everything that you know about a subject. It's okay. Uh, there, it may even, it's already been said, there's no reason for me to speak, but you can't help it. You have to speak anyway. This is the pride test. Or it's, it, it's inappropriate, and yet, because something inside of you just can't not. The pride test. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18 says, but those, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Those are the things that defile a man. And those are the things that God's sending you through tests on so that he can get it out. The mouth will always reveal what's in the heart, whether good or bad. And the greatest ground of preparation for connecting to purpose is dealing with our heart. Pride always has to be or wants to be heard. It's going to speak up over other people who are trying to speak. It's always trying to dominate. It always has to, has to have a word in a conversation because it's got to reveal itself. It's got to show what's really in the heart. It wants to come out. In fact, the human that's carrying it has been training and been trained for it to come out. Pride loves to just interrupt others. It thinks that what it has to say is more important than what you're saying, so I'm going to speak over you. Ooh. We have to deal with this issue or we'll never fulfill God's purpose on our lives. And let me just tell you, from experience, this is great advice for marriages. When one spouse is talking, that does not mean, oh, I guess I should be talking too. That means... Let me give you this. Let me give you this. Write this down. Hopefully you're taking notes. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Boy, I just, marriage conference all over, just done. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. You don't have to prove your point. You should be listening to the other point. And don't be thinking about what you want to say and, and backfire while the other person is trying to express their hearts and their feelings and what's going on in their emotions. Okay, I'm sidetracked. You just got me on one. Just solved a lot of marriages, though. I mean, I just, we can eliminate some, go ahead and eliminate some of those marriage, uh, those counseling. Yeah, yeah, we just got it. Now, remember, Joseph had a heart issue before God gave him this dream. Obviously, the brothers didn't like him already. Uh, this call, this dream, though, however, did bring more pain. And the pain was brought on by his brothers and his fathers, uh, the people closest to him. Think about that. And what you need to know when walking with the Lord is God will oftentimes send you to reach those people closest to you in family to prepare you, to strengthen you, to teach you how to minister to others before he will launch you out into a public ministry. Because if you can rally them, at least let them know kindly and lovingly where you stand in your faith, faith with Christ, you have confidence and boldness to go outside of that realm of influence and into the next level of family and then eventually into public. But if you can't fight those battles, you'll never have a public ministry. You'll always be insecure and feel inadequate. You'll always feel like it ne it'll never work. You'll always feel like you can't until you start to face those tight circles. A little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. You can't go out first. You've got to get it right there. And so these people were bringing the most pain. And God was breaking his heart the most for them. We'll find out later. 
So Joseph tattletales on his brothers, and, and they hated him. They could not speak peaceably to him. Then God gives him a dream. Then God gives him another dream. They hate him. They hate him even more. And this dude is muffing test after test after test. And I can hear Joseph just saying, well, guys, you just don't know my heart. <laughs> oh, it sounds like y'all have heard that before by some, from somebody. Oh, well, you just don't know my heart. Can I just say, if you have to wordsmith and con convince people that you have to say that, that you're saying that to, that they don't understand your heart, it might be that you don't understand your heart, and they do understand your heart, your actions, your behaviors, and your words, and you might need to listen to them so that you can be humble, so that you never have to say, well, you don't know my heart. Okay. Joseph's purpose, I'm just on one today. Happy New Year, guys. I hope to see you next weekend. <laughs> that pastor just ticked me off. No, I didn't. That's pride. <laughs> it is. For Joseph, but, all right. But for Joseph, Joseph's purpose with, within the dream was not to get his family to bow down to him. God used that, that ego, that pride, to get his attention so that God can help him to or give him the, what he needed to, needed to have to go through the pains to ultimately get to that dream. His dream would be that hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, would actually be saved or delivered. The long term. God, God gave him something that would build up his, oh, my brother, my family's going to worship me, they're going to bow down to me. No, that took him through a course of pain to develop his character to prepare him for ultimately that one day there would be a whole nation of people that would need his help. And God used all that to develop him for the greater, the greater dream that Joseph couldn't see in this time. And we can't see the greater dream when pride is in our hearts and ruling our hearts. So maybe you have a thought about yourself being greater than, than your current situation. And it feels like you're being humbled. And that's because God sees the pride test as good for you so that he can bless you. You just feel like no, no traction. It, nothing's working out. Great. You're in the pride test. So God was using Joseph's pride and immaturity to grab his attention for a later purpose. And it could be, too, that God ha could have given him this dream because it would reveal what's actually in his heart. Because sometimes whenever you've ever, you ever had any kind of increase or something greater, and all of a sudden you think you've arrived, and, and God's like, oh, gosh. Now your, your stature is grandeur, and you're something now, like, when you grow in the Lord and God begins to bring increase and you've begun to bless all things, you should get smaller, not larger. You know that you have humility in your heart and you realize that it's nothing to do with you and it's all but by the grace and the favor of God that you get smaller and you realize, wait a minute, my world is really big and if I, if I don't be careful, I can really mess this up. So God, I become even more dependent upon you. So God gave him this little dream to draw out what was already in his heart so that he could see it, to put it on a pedestal and say, son... You are very proud, and you think everybody's going to worship you, and you got another thing coming. In fact, I'm going to crush you to prepare you, to get you out of you, so that I can get in you, so that I can lead others through you. That's the journey that we're all on. Hallelujah. Is it possible that God has given you a dream, and he is using that dream to work some things out of your life? And you've been so focused on trying to make the dream come to fruition that you're missing the very character test that God's trying to take you through right now to jump you over that little bitty baby dream that you think is so great into something that actually has purpose to it. 
hear me, the pain from your past and your years in life are not from God, but he will use that pain, and they are a blessing. I can look back through my lost years and, and see the hand of God on my life and say, oh, God, thank you so much for that. I can look back through my lost years and see the hand of God. Before I knew him, he knew me, and I can say, thank you, God, so much for all of that. So number three, deal with the root of pride. I already asked you, anybody, deal with pride, and some of you are honest, and, and some of you are still trying to figure it out. But how many of us have dealt with it more than once? So you got cycled with the, the, the pride test. Great things happen, some sort of blessing, some sort of, of, of change, of adjustment towards the traje trajectory of God's purpose for your life happened, and then that pride test came back around. And so this is good news. This means you're on, a, you're on an upward spiral, hopefully. And the problem is, though, that many of us are dealing with the fruit and not the root. If we're struggling and struggling and struggling. You see, well, I jokingly said, some of you, to get over the, the pride, you got to shut, like, stop talking. you got to shut your mouth. Well, that's an action, but an action will never deal with the actual root. It will always deal with the fruit. So we actually, that will help you because you can't cognitively handle or deal with anything or think through anything when you're constantly talking. So that helps. But what we really have to do is deal with the root, which is insecurity. Let me, let me give you, maybe you think, well, I'm not insecure. Oh, how about this? It, feeling inferior, inferiority, or inadequacy. Pride is always a mask and covering for anyone who has insecurity, inferiority, and the sense of inadequacy. In fact, the most proud people you know are the most insecure people you know. They have trained themselves to overcome their inadequacies, their sense of inferiority, and their insecurities because of it. And they use this thing called, called pride to get themselves there. And oftentimes they've shaped themselves to what people will accept and what people like and what people will, will come to know and love so that they will be accepted within their insecurities, inadequacies, and inferiorities that they still embrace. And this is why I'm telling you we need healing in our soul. Because if pride is in your heart, then insecurity is in your soul. And 21 days of prayer and fasting is the fastest way to get yourself there. Because when you're fasting and you're letting go of things that you're craving, but ultimately you're saying, no, my bread is to do the will of the Father. And you really handle, you really hold on to that. My bread is to do the will of the Father. My, what, what I need to eat, what substance I need to thrive on is the will of the Father. When that starts to take place, pride starts to go down really low because you've got no strength left. You've got no energy left. And you're completely dependent upon the power of God. And you start to see the power of God revive you and strengthen you and bless you. He begins to speak to you. And that relationship is more valuable than whatever else it is that he's asking you to fast from for these 21 days. That all of a sudden, that relationship and what you're getting from it is like, nope, that's what sustains me. And he uses that to grow your character, and pride is removed. That means humility comes up, and you're, he's developing in you this heart of, of obedience. 
Hallelujah. So as you grow towards your purpose, new levels of responsibilities come along. Because God favors you, and he takes you from glory to glory, and there's a new glory, and the new glory has new pains, which draw out new insecurities and senses of inferiority and a sense of inadequacy. And if we're proud and not following the Lord and listening to his voice and trusting him through all those inadequacies and insecurities, our pride will say, you need to go. Because we'll cover our inadequacies and our insecurities and our inferiorities with our haughtiness and acceptance. Like, no, that's not for me. I I don't need to do that. In fact, I think I need to go. Because I need to go protect myself is what I don't want to say. But I I need to protect myself from being revealed and truly being found out because I might be a fake. Ooh, but I don't have to be. Here's the test. I humble myself before the Lord. And I let him know, hey, I feel inadequate about this, but Lord, you have all the adequacies. I feel insecure, but Lord, you have it all figured out. And so I learned to not be confident in me as much as I am confident in Christ. I learned that, to go to him in my private time and say, Lord, without you, I can't do it. So you've got to know, if you want me to do it, you've called me to it, that you're, you're going to have to fulfill it. And you start to have this relationship with him that is completely dependent upon him and is learning to get wisdom from him because he'll let you flail and, and, and fall all over yourself and struggle. In every area that you feel like you're getting crushed, good news because God is trying to bring some th- take some things out of you so that he can mold you into what he's actually created you for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right. Let me just say this, to grow through it, you have to be more confident in Christ than you are focused on your insecurities. You have to be more confident in Christ than you are focused on your insecurities. Can I just say, our masks of pride are keeping us, they're creating an internal battle and adversity from being able to function in fulfill, and come to bring to fruition the ultimate purposes of why God created us. So how about in 2024, we just humble up, we kick it off with this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I just wanted to ask, invite you right now, the most important thing you can do, it's just prayer time right here, most important thing you can do is say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And if I can guide you a a little further, Holy Spirit, would you have me to join in this fast? And just listen to him. And Holy Spirit, what would you have me fast? taking some time for some of y'all it's a lot more than others (laughs) and Holy Spirit what would you like for me to replace with that you're asking me to fast as you can see right here you can text 21 days of prayer, all one word, to 94,000. And let us know when you want to receive that devotion. 
and allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you in all truth. Allow the Lord to disciple you every day and learn to cultivate this heart of obedience that says, okay, if that's what you're wanting me to do in this moment, that's what I'll do. And I promise you, I will bet everything in my life on it. If you'll do exactly that, then over time, God will bring you into the greatest favor and blessing of your lifetime and maybe even your whole generational lifetime. So, Father, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your gentleness through our trials and tests. Thank you for your commitment to us. Thank you that you never forsake us. Thank you for your patience. And Lord, this year, help us to pass this test, this pride test. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.